it's crazy to see, honestly, you know, a million dollars go into your bank account. That's for sure. Uh, it's crazy. But And welcome back to another Par Train. I am your co-host, Evan Singer. And I'm your other co-host, Matt Cermak. How are we doing, guys? We just got off a great interview with PJ Tour winner Adam Long. But in case you guys are new, before we get to that interview, uh, the Par Train, we use golf as a platform to help you live a better life or at least make it a little less frustrating than the game of golf can be. So learn how to get better and achieve peak performance on and off the course from PGA Tour pros, like our interview today, best-selling authors, CEOs, coaches, and more. Um, before we get to that interview, a quick word from our sponsor, Superspeed Golf. How would you like to add distance to every club in your bag? Well, for the past few years, club head speed and distance have dominated the headlines on the Pro Tours. You guys know this. I mean, have you heard of Bryson? Guess what? Bryson uses Superspeed. Yes, the longest does. players show up time and time again at the top of the leaderboards in the biggest events. But what about the recreational game? What about your game? Distance is just as important, if not more important, for amateurs. So through the use of tracking technology, golf statisticians, we now know that how far you hit the ball, especially up the tee, has a direct correlation to lowering your score. And since 2014, Superspeed Golf has been at the forefront of training distance by providing simple, easy, and effective ways to increase club head speed for all types of players. So basically how it works, guys, is it's called overspeed training. And each Superspeed set comes with three weighted clubs, all designed around the weight of your own driver. And so by following complementary online protocols, golfers will see a substantial increase in club head speed. We're about to do this with you, Matt. Um, you're about to go through it. Each session lasts about eight to 10 minutes, performed three times a week for optimal results. Superspeed has a proven record of results evidenced by more than 700 tour players around the world using the system, as well as thousands of everyday golfers. To get started with your journey to more speed and more distance, visit superspeedgolf.com or at superspeedgolf on social media and use the code PARTRAIN for 10% off. I mean, is that fun? It's really fun, and I've already done some preliminary work, uh, some work, like some of the training sessions with it. We're going to do a lot more stuff works, a few yards more. Never hurts, right? Yeah. Just, just keep working on it. So great yeah, stuff. scientifically proven, and we're seeing it, the orders roll in. So, guys, get on, yeah, get on the train. It's not, this is not a joke. Love the super <laughs> speed guys, too. They're great guys. Okay, so Adam Long. PJ Tour winner, if you guys don't remember, he made the miraculous win versus Adam Hadwin and Phil Mickelson in the Desert Classic in 2019. Um, yeah. But Adam grew up in my hometown in St. Louis. He played – you've played with him in tournaments, Matt. He's played with our best friend, Ryan. Yep. And this episode was one that was a perfect balance, in my opinion, of just so down-to-earth, right? Talks about an yeah. eight-year – grind on the the mini tours to get to the pga tour i think there's so many lessons here that is he's not the longest hitter you know he's no. 510 160 he's just like all of us but he's found a way to become one of the best in the world i think there's a lot to learn yeah def definitely it was great to catch up with adam and i remember playing in a couple of tournaments growing up in the plantation tour with him and he was always he'd be first and i'd be second right and he had this quiet confidence about him um, that, that he had, he just had a leg up, right? He just knew that he was better. He knew that he was going to win. And, uh, 
I don't know. I thought we got, we, there were so many good things he talked about for our listeners, especially embracing your individuality as a player, right? And, and then how to really kind of manage your emotions out in the course that I think all our listeners are going to love to hear and really, really use for their game. So incredible interview. Yeah, his mindset on the tee box, teeing off in the last round with Phil was something I think we can all take. But we'll get to it. It was almost an hour conversation. Definitely stayed to the end because his story about what it was like when the million dollars hit his account is at the very end. So definitely stay and listen to yeah. that. <laughs> and if you guys aren't following us on Instagram and Twitter and TikTok, follow us at The Par Train. We just finished a week long of giveaways. Celebrate fun. our 100th episode. So there's always fun stuff like that going on. And subscribe and rate and review the podcast. If you guys like what we're doing, the rating and reviews definitely help bump us up in rankings and, and helps us continue doing the podcast that you love. So thanks so much for listening, guys. We will see you next Sunday and uh, hit them straight. And if you're not hitting them straight, well, thanks find a way to too. enjoy it, right? Find a way to manage it. I think uh, you'll learn a lot from this. Thanks, guys. So Adam, before we get started here, um, you know, as we had our, you know, our big research team digging into your past, uh, we found a little nugget that was really interesting. You were born on September 25th, 1987. I was born on September 25th, 1987. And we both grew up in St. Louis, both golf guys. I mean, are we brothers? Wow. Well, I, may, I may have to look at the documents on that. That's, that's <laughs> impressive. I just, what are the odds? That's crazy. So I was thinking, <laughs> since we both recently turned 33, happy belated. Uh, is this yeah, finally the year that you play tournaments with number three on your ball? Hmm, no, probably not. Where, why won't, no, why I, won't I, you play with a three? Where did that start? I don't, honestly, I don't know when it exactly started, but the good, uh, good digging here on your research team. Give them props. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like it was probably like in college maybe. Um, I just had a couple rounds, like consecutive rounds playing bad, and I remember that I was using threes, and I was like, that's probably why. Truly, it's not me, obviously. And so um, I started just throwing those out. I practice with them. I'll definitely, you know, use them on the range. I'll send a couple on the driving range or I'll, I'll on a day at home or something, I'll play with threes. I don't care that about that. But at tournaments, I just, I've never, I haven't used a three in, I mean, over 10 years, probably. Wow. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. So speaking of research, uh, was golf always your number one or was hurting your leg in hockey? And the best thing that I've happened to you because it made you focus on golf. Yeah, we should be doing a podcast about me just winning the Stanley Cup like last week. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> that hockey career ended a bit abruptly. But uh, yeah, I mean, I played all the sports kind of growing up there in St. Louis. I would play, uh, you know, baseball. And, but hockey was the, the number one for sure. I, I, it got me the most excited. Um, I was pretty good. But yeah, as your research team, uh, again, dug up, I broke my leg in a game. And uh, I made a little comeback after that. Just never was the same. I was always defense. And then when I made my comeback, I, I did like a house league for a season and they put me on offense. And that was a lot of fun. But I was like, man, these guys are fast and it's just a different, different game. So I don't know. I kind of phased that out and, and started focusing on golf a lot more. Nice to see you guys get that blue Stanley Cup, you know, I finally got over the hump. So. Okay, oh, by the way. That's right. You know, I was nice. <laughs> I was glad you guys were able to kind of join in on the fun. Yeah, you but. see the double <laughs> meaning of his compliment here. Yeah, there's always a little something there. Um, yeah. yeah, no, that was awesome for sure. I mean, St. Louis—they've had a good hockey squad there forever, and it's finally seen 
get over the hump, which was uh, which is nice as you can relate in baseball. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's um, nice one. Yeah, so that's a guy. Yeah. <laughs> 2016 was a great year too. Um, <laughs> all right, Adam, we, we definitely want to talk about kind of your journey as a player. You know, uh, you know, growing up, college, uh, and, and a big theme on our show. We like to talk a lot around the mental game, mental approach for our listeners. Um, so you've had a long journey. Let's kind of dive into moments, okay? How would you explain the nerves in the different times in, in your career? Um, and let's start with your first mini tour event. Came out of college. You know, how would how would you talk about the nerves? They're there always for me. I always have yeah. some nerves. Um, I'm always nervous on the first tee of any kind of tournament or, or game, but um, I, I think yeah, showing up to your first it was my e golf. My first yeah, my first e golf tour event was in North Carolina. It was a couple of weeks after I graduated or, or finished out the the national championship uh, in college, and you're kind of thrown out on the into the world on your own. So I remember getting there and just not being sure about practice rounds and how it all worked. I mean, no caddies, so we're carrying our own bags, but so it wasn't a whole lot of wasn't exactly a huge stage for me to be nervous about, but. Um, I remember teeing it up for that first day and just being like, all right, like, here we go. This is the first of first shot of my career, really. And it all starts now. But it was uh, rejuvenating, fresh, refreshing and exciting. But uh, um, I had a good week that week. I remember I finished pretty well, top 10. And it was kind of felt like I was rich. And um, right. but, but definitely, definitely nerves there. Well, right. And then, you know, you're on the mini tours and, and then, you, you, you know, you got to Canada and then you got to Corn Ferry. But OK. You had all those years, and then you get to the PGA Tour. What's step into your first PGA Tour event like? How do you compare the two? Right, you played for, you've been playing for money for a long time, but like similar, similar feelings. Um, I think the the first start as a pro, you're you're nervous about your career and how are you good enough and all that kind of thing. And um, you know, I was definitely nervous then. And then you get to the PGA Tour. Flash flash forward way too many years, but. You uh, you get to the PJ tour and you're I'm in Napa and and it's my first start and my family's there I got fans just lining the fairway and you know the cameras are rolling and um, you know that's a that's a different nerve but it's it's very similar because um, it's the first start of the season um, I think it was nice to know that I had a lot of starts it wasn't like if I play bad today it, I I waste it it's ruined I, I go back to the corn ferry or anything you know it was a I was gonna have a full season so it wasn't that I'd say the the most pressure I had was probably the 2011 U.S. Open that I qualified for, having no status anywhere and just kind of thrown into a huge stage of like, this is your one experience. This is where your one chance at, right. at the PGA Tour, the best players in the world. Like you have four rounds, maybe. And you, this is it. You're, you have one chance, one week. And that's a lot of pressure. I think that's when people Monday qualify for an event. I think that's yep. so much more pressure versus knowing you've got you're going to have 15, 25, somewhere in their starts in a season. and and you know that that gives you a little bit of comfort. Yeah, no, that, that's good perspective. Let's talk about moments, though. You know, you, your fir first tee at the Masters, first time being in Augusta. Tell listeners what was that? That was like, and does it was the heat on you in a way when you had a putt to win your first PGA Tour event? You know, right? Like one's to win, one's you're there. But like, talk us through yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think you know, like first tee at a tournament or the Masters or the U.S. Open right. or any of these first tee moments are are nerve-wracking and it, it's all about kind of like what's going to happen you're you're unsure of the future you're unsure of how you're going to play or what you're going to shoot or what you're going to finish or where the heck this ball is going to go um so i think there's there's that um you know nerves and then you have nerves of 
Sunday winning a tournament nerves or, or making a cut on Friday is very nerve wracking as well. Um, and, and that's more of like, this is like right now, this is like what, what's happening uh, in this next shot. I think that's, uh, this determines a lot, but I think being able to, to have those experiences are great. You build on them. You, the more you have of them, the, the better you get and the, the more relaxed you can be in those environments. But each one's different. It can't say that they're all the same because right. um, anytime you see it up in a tournament, you're nervous, but like all of a sudden it's the masters and there's just something different around it. Um, that's really hard. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, one more question is just about the mini tours, just because I think not a lot of people talk about, I don't think a lot of people appreciate the perspective and the life that is the mini tours. Um, we've had a couple corn fairy guys, but you were, you know, four years in the mini tours even before then. So I just wanted to get a sense for the listeners, what it was like, are you scraping by financially? Are you feeling encouraged by your progress? Are you incredibly frustrated, even debate quitting? Like, was it a steady climb? Was there huge ups and downs? Maybe talk us through those four years. Yeah, all of that. Yes. Um, you know, I had some financial support, which helped for sure get me started out of the gate. Um, so I wouldn't have been able to do it without them. And yeah. um, so that that's huge, first of all. But yeah. yeah, I mean, you're you're not playing for a whole lot of money. You're, yeah, that's for sure. But that was never really my goal. I, I wasn't trying to, um, you know, pay for things or, or buy a car or a house or, the, you know, it wasn't it was never like about the money. I mean, it always is nice and you always think about it. It's a thing. But it was never like my drive was the money. Um, but having said that, um, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot that, that rides on it. And sure, you, you leave a tournament and you, you miss four or five cuts in a row on the mini tours and you're are losing some serious money. It doesn't matter how you're traveling. If you're, um, you're, you're in the hole pretty good. And it puts, puts pressure on the next start and the next chance, you know, you're, you, you know, you wonder uh, if you're good enough and, and all that, but uh, those are some lean years for sure. But I was always getting a little bit better. And, and I think uh, looking back on those experiences, I wouldn't change it for the world. I think it really makes me appreciate the PJ Tour now and where I'm at now, having come from that ex that, those experiences and that road, that, that journey that I was on. Um, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Well, Adam, you, you just said you felt like I kept getting better. Well, let's dig into that. How did you, even maybe when the results weren't where you wanted, how did you assess progress? Was it, you know, something physically in your game was it mentally like where you could say in, that, that would help you keep the faith like I'm close but what but how did you know you were close yeah um there was good results every year I think there yeah. was the highlights every year were were, were strong um I yeah. would either win a mini tour event and I would have really good um things that kind of at the end of the year or season you'd look back and say I mean everyone's lows are low but I had some serious highlights that were like really good and uh, as, as long as you're having those, I think you're you're on the right track. I think when you go through a full season or even two, where you're you look at your highlights and you're you're like, man, I don't know, I had 30th year and I made that cut. You know, if that's yeah. your highlights after a few years, then you're you're probably on the wrong track. But I, I was looking at you know wins and seconds and top fives, and I was in contention quite a bit. And and you just know, I think golfers, we just know if we're better than we were, you know, a year ago or a season ago. And you know, I think. Um, I think I just, it was a combination of having results and just kind of knowing. Yeah, confidence for sure. And what give people context? Like, what does a winner get on mini tour? What was the check size back then? Uh, my biggest check. I did win a Hooters tour event that was like twenty eight thousand dollars, so that was pretty significant. Um, okay. But then there there were some others that you'd win. And it was like you finished first and you'd make you know fifteen hundred bucks, but you paid you know six hundred to play. But sure. Uh, 
I think, uh, you know, it kind of varies on the tours too. I mean, times are different now than they were, you know, back then that was, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years ago, even, um, the mini tours were hot back then. I mean, it, I couldn't get into Hooters tour events or, you know, if you weren't a member, I was Monday qualifying for some oh, Hooters wow. tour events, which is hard to believe now, but there was 144 person fields and they were full. You had to sign up early yeah. in advance and, and, and it was hard. They're, it, they're not cheap. Entry no, no, so. they're all, you know, <laughs> called a thousand bucks a pop and the e-golf tour was, was simultaneously running and they had, uh, you know, two to 300 people playing on two different courses. And I mean, it, it was, it was hot. And now with the uh, PGA tour, Latino America and Canada, and even China, people have gone to those tours maybe because they have guaranteed spots onto the corn Ferry tour, which makes sense, but it's, it's definitely taken a hit um, on the mini tour life. But um, you know, those are definitely different times, but you know, you could make some decent money. All the top guys on the money list were making six figures for sure. Yeah. Interesting. So in 2018, obviously you made 27 starts, finish high enough in the money list during your card, right? So let, let's now shift to the PGA tour. Cause we had Keith Mitchell on the podcast a couple years ago. He's a really good player. Everyone at that level is, but he talked about walking on the range the first time he didn't know if he would be able to hit the ball on the range um, his first time on, on the tour. He saw Phil, he saw Tiger. I'm just curious of, you know, we, Matt asked about it a little bit, but your first, when you first got to the PGA Tour, was it a let's fucking go, I belong here? Or was it shit, do I belong here? Like, did you have to fight that doubt coming in? Because, you know, you're playing against the heroes that you've watched for a while. I'm curious how that transition was. Yeah. Um, first of all, Keith's a huge softy. So of course, he's gonna <laughs> no, he's a good friend of mine. He's great. Um, uh, I, I don't know. I think a little bit of both. I, I think on the, even on the corn Ferry tour, my first four, two or three years out there, I was still like getting comfortable. And then finally that, that last year, I was like, I am better than good enough to, to get off this tour. Like I, this is, it's time. Like I'm old enough, mature enough. I'm ready. Like I don't, I wouldn't have been ready for the PGA tour when I was 22, 23, 24, 25, 26. Um, I needed, I needed some time to uh, mature maybe and, and get more comfortable and, and grow that self-belief, I guess, that confidence that I was good enough. But I know mentally and everything, I, I was not ready, you know, seven years ago. But um, so I think being older, like I was one of the older rookies in, in 2018, 19, that I didn't feel as out of sorts um, for one reason, I'm just older, but two, I knew, I felt like I knew everybody already. I had been mm -hmm. playing pro golf for so long that, I was seeing old friends of mine that I hadn't seen since they graduated from the corn Ferry tour two, three, four years ago, or maybe some guys from college that I used to play against all the time that I just hadn't, they got on tour right away and it took me a while or, or whatever. But um, I got out there and, and the first couple of weeks, I'm like, this isn't, I mean, sure. I didn't know Phil and tiger and Rory and those guys, but I definitely knew the majority of the guys uh, we had some sort of connection. So I think, and caddies too, and coaches, like I felt like I knew a lot of people. So I think that took a lot of the, the um, bright light kind of fear away from me, but, but certainly I didn't get off to that great of a start. I, I played well the first week, I guess um, it's Safeway, but then I missed the next two cuts in the fall and only had three starts in the fall season, my, my rookie year. But um, you know, I, I was definitely a little nervous. I was way too concerned about um, starts because coming off the corn Ferry tour, you're not guaranteed a whole lot of starts anyway. And so I was always like barely getting into events or in the first alternate, second alternate, or, you're looking at, you know, weeks down the road, like, am I going to get into that tournament or that one? And that's, that was, it just consumes you um, mm -hmm. versus saying, all right, well, whatever, I know I'm playing this week, screw it, I'm going to go play. But 
it's easier said than done. I, I got pretty wrapped up in the in the status and the categories and, and the um, access to events. Well, so that, that's interesting. I mean, that's you're just being very honest about how, like how you were kind of dealing with that. Was there things like like your support team you, you lean on to kind of talk through those things? Like because at the end of the day, you got to go tee it up and you got to free your mind, and that's and that's hard. How, how did how did you how do you manage that? Yeah, it's hard. Uh, I have a coach out on tour, the Josh Gregory, that works with a bunch of guys, and uh, he's been around uh, enough to know. Like he was probably my my biggest crutch my rookie year for sure, because he had been to all the courses, he knew all the, I don't know, he knew the operations of it all, and and he yeah. knew what I was feeling, and and I think he did a a good job of being like, you don't have anything to prove, it's fine, you're gonna get plenty of starts, it doesn't matter if you get in this week or next week or whatever, like you're good enough, it's fine, it's a long season, um, but as much as somebody's telling you that you're still at home, like looking at the priority list and being like, I don't think I'm going to get into farmers. I don't think I'm going to get into the Honda. I don't think I'm going to. And it's like, well, you're going to get into stuff. And if you play well, when you do get it, like, it's fine. It all takes care of itself. And it's easy to, to say, but hard to really accept. And that would be my advice to rookies to this day. It's, it's to the same thing people told me. I just wasn't able to do it necessarily um, until I won. But before that was, it's very stressful. It seems like you were more worried about op getting opportunities, um, which is probably a good sign. I mean, I think a lot of people would probably be stressed about taking advantage of an opportunity or actually playing well. It seemed like you didn't have a lot of doubt in your ability. It was more so, am I going to be able to even get out there to have a chance? Yeah, and, and, and that season, two seasons ago, was like the shortest season on tour in a long time. They were doing a lot of changes with the FedEx Cup. The majors yep. were all changing around. Mm -hmm. And so the season was, was a lot shorter. We lost like three or four events. And, um, you know, that people were playing a lot earlier than they normally did. Like the, the big-name guys were playing tournaments they don't always play. And I, I was just, you know, felt like I was getting screwed. Like, of course, the one year I get my card finally, it's like a short season and all these top guys are playing these random events and I'm not going to get into anything. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, you go back to, like, highlights. That's what it's all about. And pro golf is all about your highlights. Uh, you can be as consistent as you want, but if you're finishing 40th every week, you're not going to get much out of it. So it's really about those high finishes. So if you talk about that, it's like, well, if you have – I knew I was going to get 12 to 18 starts, um, and, and you got to – I needed to tell myself that, who cares? You're gonna, if you just play well in four or five of them, you're going to keep your card, and it's all is good. So uh, it's not about – playing well every single week but it's, it feels like that sometimes yeah yeah we had a uh, sports psychologist brett mccabe on the show who coaches you know billy horschel and brian Harmon and a bunch of guys and he talked a lot about with his players um and for, with us about how you have to just make your average better um everybody tried to go from average or playing poorly to your best and just some days it's you it's too hard. You can't make that jump. Right. And, and he talked a lot about how 80% of the money's won and 20% of the events, four or five events. Right. Um, so it's very similar to what you just said. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think you get caught up on, I mean, I missed the cut last week in Jackson and you're like, Oh man, it's struggling or something. It's like, well, it doesn't matter. I'm going to miss a lot more cuts this season. I don't know if I'm going to miss four more or 15 more, but I don't really care. Like miss cuts don't, it's frustrating. It always sucks to go home early. Uh, sure. You feel like, you know, you're not performing. It, it always sucks. But I don't get as wrapped up in it now as I as I would have maybe two years ago even. But um, because the week prior, I finished fifth. And the prior week at the U.S. Open, I finished 13th. I mean, these are like, those are the highlights, right? You're trying right. to, right. It, it, all that matters is how many times you finish in the top, I don't know, 10, 15. 
Um, I think the more you can rack up those, the, the better season you're going to have. So um, it's not about making cuts and finishing 50th. I don't, I don't think if I would have finished 50th last week, I'd be, I'd feel any better about my game than missing the cut by whatever yeah. four, like I did. Um, Interesting. I think it's, 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 you got to, you know, take care of those highlights. And when you're playing, you gotta, well, it's a long season. You got to protect your body. You got to protect your mind. Like some, some, you don't want, you're not throwing in the towel, but some weeks are just, you just, you just, it's over, right? Like, and exactly. It, like missing cuts, it's not great. And actually, after after finishing thirty first on the money list or the FedEx points list last year, yeah. um, you you know, I was only two and a half points from the Tour Championship. And you look mm-hmm. over a course of a season, and it's like, I mean, that's finishing one position higher in any tournament. Pick one, right? And you could have done that so many times. And so you know that if you are playing on Saturday and Sunday, and you are in fiftieth, sixtieth place. You do need to actually find out every single shot because I know from experience that had I finished 54th instead of 58th, you know, back in, you know, September, you know, it, it would make the difference in the season. And it, it could be the top 70, or it could be the top 125, or you just never know. Right. It happens every year. So, but missing cuts sometimes is a blessing in disguise. You can go home a little early, see your family, re- regroup, um, totally. and kind of reset a little bit and, uh, and, and work on some stuff that you need to work on. Friday in a tournament second round and you're near the cut line, your game's just not there. Do you feel like you've got to manage your, your attitude? Or like, how do, you, how do you grind it out in those moments? You know, when you're thinking about money, you're thinking about the season, it's kind of all comes full circle right on the back nine to make a cut. Like, what yeah. works for you? What do you lean on to ultimately grind it out and make that cut? Right. Um, I've been, I'm pretty good at, at never giving up, honestly. I think I've just, that's just way I'm wired. Um, some guys, friends of mine, if they're not near the top or if they're definitely going to miss the cut, they just start playing reckless and doing kind of silly stuff out there. And, you know, it's, it's funny. I don't know what, what it is, but I'm not like that at all. Like occasionally I might go for something when, when I wouldn't normally, but for the most part, I'm playing golf the exact same way I, I would be playing if I was leading the tournament. Um, you know, I, I'm always feeling like, something's going to click. I might find something here that's going to help me. You know, I, I'm definitely going to miss this cut, but I, you know, I, this could kind of get me into the off week here where I can, I know what I need to work on. And so I'm always kind of maybe looking for that as well. Like, like, what do I need to be working on? What, what's wrong? Yeah. And I'm always kind of, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't feel like I'm out of it until I'm totally out of it. Also. I think I, like, I thought I was going to make that cut in Sanderson up until I was probably, I don't know, four or five holes left. Um, then I kind of was like, all right, I'm probably not going to make this cut no matter what I do coming in. But um, I, I just thought I was going to birdie six holes in a row at some point. Like, it's going to click. Like, I, I just – I have that mentality, I guess, that, like, I, I don't know. I remember an event last fall at, at Sea Island at the RSM. I, I didn't play that great the first day. I was in a hundred and something place. And I didn't play great on the front nine on, on Friday. And then the back nine, I just went on a tear and played, like, seven holes in, in like, seven under. Um, I had, like, an eagle par and a bunch of birdies. and all of a sudden I, I made the cut easily and yeah. you just never know. You never know when something like that's going to happen. And you, so that's why for me, you just always got to be giving it your best. Yeah. For me, I hear for a lot lesson that a lot of people could probably take is um, a lot of times the fear of failure can, we can get ourselves wrapped up in it. But if you focus on trying to learn and using every experience as a learning as cliche as it sounds, it can totally take you out of this, fear driven state and you're actually now gaining lessons that can lead to a win or a top five the next week right just because you're focused yeah. on learning 
yeah, and I'm a, I'm a big proponent. I'm always trying to tell myself that, you know, think about what you want to happen. Um, uh, I spent some time with Rotella years ago and learned yeah. a lot with my experience with him. And um, that's one of the things, though, is, is to always kind of be thinking about what you want to happen. And, and that's really stuck with me. And, and you can be thinking about that way off a tee box, like what do you want your tee shot to do? Um, and you can be thinking about it in the course of a season. Um, it applies to everything. And um, yeah, if, if you've got six holes left and you're outside the cut by four, well, what would you like to do? Well, I'd like to birdie every hole coming in. So um, let's try it. Like, let's do it. Uh, it's still possible. It's, until, until it's impossible, um, you know, I, I, I'm always still trying to grind it out. For sure. So let's dig into the mental side a little bit because, you know, you said that, you know, you had a long pro career before the PGA Tour and you don't think you were ready mentally um, to do well on the PGA Tour. And that time was valuable. What, what is the mental game when you hear the mental game? What does that mean to you? I think you just spoke to something a second ago about that a little bit, but what worked for you mentally? What switched? What clicked that people that are, you know, 10 handicaps can think about that can maybe help them? Um, I, I think there's kind of two big parts of it. One is kind of your self, I don't know, image, I guess you could call it, uh, where you feel like you belong in the game of golf. And so as professionals, we're, you know, comparing ourselves constantly to the best in the world and uh, other PJ Tour players and, and all that. But like, where, where do you fit in that mold? Or where do you see yourself in that, um, in that world of professional golf? Do you see yourself at the very top? somewhere in the middle, somewhere at the bottom or way down the bottom. And um, so I think years ago, I saw myself uh, pretty average kind of towards the bottom. I don't know. I felt like I was really good at golf, but I didn't, I thought these guys were just on the PJ tour were just light years ahead of me. I thought they were just so good. Um, and I, some other, some experiences over the years really kind of changed that mold and mentality in me that like, no, they're not, <laughs> they're not that good. Um, they're great. Obviously like everybody's great, but, they're not, they're human. It's golf. It's the hardest yeah. game in the world. And they are, it's the most error prone game in the world. Um, you, you watch a baseball game and you see a handful of errors and you're like, wow, that's a lot. In golf, you see a handful, a hole sometimes. I mean, it's like error and compounding errors and they all do it. The best in the world um, make so many mistakes. Um, they hit so many terrible golf shots. And it just took me a while to probably really understand that and realize that. Um, so that's, that's one part of it is kind of where you stand. And then the other part of the mental side that I've worked on a lot is, actually playing golf and how your um kind of your philosophy and how you play golf and who you are as a golfer and how you play the game how you play competitive tournaments um and and kind of how you go about your business out there on the golf course and handling the ups and the downs and throughout a round or a season and you know those those are kind of two different parts of it but they're both extremely important and does that include in your mind like course management and mm -hmm. and so what's a key for you on the course you spoke to it a little but like, is it, is it aiming at the fattest parts of the fairways and thinking about club selection? Like, what, what's the key for you on solid course management where you can play free and aggressive when necessary, but also give yourself the best chance to miss in the right spots? Yeah, I think naturally for me, I'm a pretty conservative human. Um, I'm not a big risk taker. I don't like roller coasters. I don't, Thanks. I mean, I, I don't know. They just, I, I'm pretty conservative. And uh, I'm usually more tempted than not to, than to play um, to the safe side or to lay up or um, to hit an iron off a tee versus trying to hit driver. And one thing that my coach, Josh Gregory, and my caddy, Julian Trudeau, the two of them are just awesome at it, but they really get me out of my comfort zone, really challenge me 
um, to be more aggressive. And especially when you have a scoring club in your hand, if you've got a sand wedge in your hand, I mean, I, you're trying to make that shot every single time. But I, I think even, you know, having a five iron in your hand, understanding like, hey, you're playing well, go for it. Like you can hit this five iron a foot from the hole. Like you can make the shot. Like you should go for it instead of saying, oh, I'm going to hit it to the middle of the green. And, and also learning a lot of times that missing it short sighted. So if the pin's way on the far right, it's natural to want to go to the left, middle of the green. But a lot of times to the right of the green is actually a very easy chip. And it's actually easier than a two putt from 40 feet. It's actually easier to chip it from 15 feet, 20 feet right of the hole. Um, even though there's no, you're in the rough or a bunker or whatever, but sometimes it's just so easy over there that it's worth going for it. So understanding that is, is pretty key. As it relates to your practice, and I think you talked about that, you know, understanding those, or I guess those are simple concepts, but like getting that drilled into your head and to change your approach a little bit, is that doing a playing lesson with your coach or is that on the range and behind you, you guys are kind of, you know, envisioning moments and, you know, and creating scenarios like more situational practice potentially. Yeah. 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 I think we'll be on a, on a, on a golf course. We practice a lot on the golf course and there'll be a pin on the right and, you know, maybe there's water on the right and he's still challenging me to go right at it. Like it doesn't like, don't be scared of that water. Like you're not going to hit in the water. Like you're going to, you're good enough. Like go for it and send it. And, uh, or, or hit driver on this kind of, it's pretty narrow, but you're, I'm a great driver of the golf ball. You just have to believe in it that mm -hmm. you can hit this drive in the fairway. Like just take driver out and hit it. Um, right. And it, it's easier to tell somebody to do that. And it's easy to, to do it in practice. It's, it's really hard in, in, in tournaments to, to have the balls to do it, but um, right. I've got, I've gotten more aggressive and confident um, as I've kind of gotten older and, and more experienced in golf. And I think the corn fairy teaches you that a lot as well. I'd like to say, because um, you got to keep your pedal down on that tour. There's so many times you got to shoot 20 something under to win or even have right. a good finish. Um, it just teaches you to keep making birdies and really get out of your comfort zone because we're comfortable when we're four under par, but when we're nine under par, I, right. we're a little uncomfortable because we're not there that often and we're trying to get and instead of like coasting you need to te teach yourself and learn to to get to 11 under par you know make a couple more birdies coming in and um it's 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 hard to do because it's easy to to say all right i got off to a hot start let's just keep it going let's just let's just ride right. this out par out and it's like no no no, we don't want to par out we want to get right. to more and more and more and uh i've learned that as well well you know something about shooting 26 under par we're going to talk about that in a second but I have to ask you, as we talk about practice and a little bit about course management and how you're approaching your game going forward, how focused are you on distance, Adam? Um, obviously, there's the Bryson factor right now. Um, you know, I think we grew, you know, we grew up playing in tournaments together. In that generation, I wasn't taught to hit it as hard as I can first. I think there was maybe a few players back then, but talk about that. You know, I mean, you hit the ball plenty far, but how focused are you on it and how you try to learn to do it? Yeah, uh, not much, honestly. Um, yeah. I haven't gotten on board on that yet. I, I, obviously, what, what Bryson has done has been absolutely phenomenal, and I respect the crap out of it. Um, extremely yeah. impressive, and he deserves every trophy he gets from it. Um, I'm not willing to do that <laughs> to my body. I'm not willing to take that risk. He took a huge risk. Absolutely. Um, now, it's easier to do that when you're already a top 15, whatever – top 20 player in the world where your career is pretty set. You're going to, you're not losing your card next year or the year after that, no matter what happens. Right. So, you know, they, they, he does have some flexibility there that I don't. Uh, so that's one reason maybe, but um, also it's not in my nature necessarily to, I'm never going to be a bomber. It's never going to happen. Sure. I'd love to hit it 10 yards farther. That'd be great. 
Um, I just know that, um, I mean, I'm 33 now and, um, I don't know, to me becoming a a long hitter is not going to happen. And I I think there's plenty of golf tournaments, um, throughout the season that aren't won by bombers. Um, it's not always, it's always an advantage, but it's, it's less an advantage on, on plenty of courses still on the PGA tour. Um, there's plenty of, of short, narrow golf courses that, kind of levels the playing field a bit and I, you know if I take advantage of those and there's plenty of them there's more than 10 um, throughout a season then you're going to be fine I I, sure. I don't hit it that far I'm pretty average on tour if not probably a little shorter than average and I'm okay with that um, I think I'm a good enough ball striker and I get get it in the hole well enough that it's not a huge liability I think if I hit it 20 yards shorter than I do now then I'd be a, a serious issue yeah. I'd say I really need to do something about it to compete. But as it is now, I, I know that I can still compete plenty of times throughout a year um, to, to not have to do something crazy with my body. And, and I don't have the, honestly, I, I have, you know, another year, two years, say on my exemption from winning, but I don't know what the future holds after that. And I'm not willing right. to totally risk these next, the next year maybe of playing because I'm trying to gain, I don't know, 10 yards. Um, it's a, it's to a me, slippery it's not worth slope. It. Right. And it's, 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 it can be dangerous on your body. I think there's just a lot of talk out there. where like, you talk about just playing within yourself, sticking to your plan. But I think more needs to be said about that for amateurs too, because it, 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 you can't just start swinging, you know, dial it up every single swing. I mean, it, you no. hurt yourself. Yeah, totally. And I think that what Bryson's done so well is he's done it with the experts, right? He hasn't done it on his own. He hasn't right. just making stuff up. Like he's got a pretty smart team around him to do it correctly and uh it's proven for sure but uh it's it's definitely risky but he's also hitting it so straight that is crazy um that's what's the most impressive part about it he's not hitting it all over the map and just like finding ways to get it on the green it's like no he's still hitting a lot of fairways and he's not missing by a whole lot when he does seven ten yards off yeah i mean it hurts my back just watching it but you know who am i uh so one quick thing you before we talk about your win a little bit um I've always been really fascinated by this. This might sound like a silly question to a tour pro, but, you know, as a single-digit handicap, I've found that, and, and we've had some, some science-based psychology guys on this podcast, and you ask someone, what, what happened for you out there when you won or your best rounds? And most people say simple, easy, effortless, right? Um, and for me, I found that when I make birdies – I'm not thinking about making birdies. I just make them. And it's the type of back nine where I get in the zone and I make pretty much all pars. I end up making two or three birdies in. Suddenly I shot one or two under and I shot a 74, right? And so it's always fascinated me with tour pros to be able to keep your foot on the pedal, like you said, but also play free. Like, how do you balance the, I want to make four birdies coming in while also not pressing. Does that make sense? Yeah, it doesn't. It, it makes sense because it doesn't make sense because <laughs> you're telling yourself to press and yeah. to, to relax. And it's like, those don't go together. Right. Um, and I think that's the hardest thing in golf, really. It's one of the hardest anyway. Um, I think, yeah, it's, a, it's the age-old kind of question, honestly. I don't know if I have a great answer for you, but, you know, talk about being in the zone and all that. I'll, all I can talk, all I can talk to is my experience from say the desert classic. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I got, I played awesome, obviously to get in the final pairing on Sunday and well, I should back up and say 
I went into that day saying, you know, I'm just trying to, I just want to have fun, enjoy it, relax, not care. I don't care if I shoot 80 today. I want to remember this forever. I don't know if I'll ever get in the final group again. Um, you're playing with a Hall of Famer. I mean, this is just an incredible experience. Like, right. uh, you know, this is my first real shot at, you know, being in, even in contention on tour. Um, let's enjoy it. So I was, you know, made, made sure my caddy and I were laughing, having a good time, talking. And I didn't want to, like, try to not play bad. I didn't want to try to play great. I just wanted to keep doing what I was doing, have fun with it and trust my game and, and really enjoy the experience. And that's yeah. what I did. Honestly, I had a great kind of approach to the day. I didn't, I wasn't trying to win. I didn't think I was going to win. I'm playing with Adam Hadwin and Phil Nicholson. Why am I going to win? So right. I, I just wanted to play as good as I could play. And I birdied the first couple of holes, but I made so many birdies at that point in the week. It's still like, doesn't really matter that much. I'm just, it was nice to get off a good start. Don't get me wrong, but I still wasn't thinking about winning. Um, it's still thinking about there's so much golf left, and it's the most visually intimidating golf course there is, pretty much. So there's a lot to lot to go on here the next 16 holes. But I just made sure I had fun with it. Didn't care. I kept, you know, I'm, I was obviously playing well to get there, so I wasn't going to lose my game all of a sudden. That's just that doesn't happen. So as long as I had fun, I had a good attitude, and was kind of carefree, it was going to be a good day. And somehow on 18T, we're all tied up. And I uh, was able to uh, somehow make a birdie there and, and the rest is history. But uh, I was just really proud of the way I handled that moment because I hadn't been there before, but um, I wanted to make sure that it was a, a fun and, and relaxing environment. This is great feedback, like to hear these stories because you're looking over and there's Phil, right? There he is, right? Like, and, and that's a lot to, that's a lot to deal with as somebody, you know, who's new on the tour and, but it's that 45 seconds in your, in your world, right? When you get with your caddy, and you pick your shot, you pick your plan, you execute, like relying on that, right? Relying on that routine that's won you a lot of golf tournaments in your life. But but it's amped up almost, right? Because Phil's right there. <laughs> sure, the stage is set. Yeah, you can't deny it. You can't you can't uh, block out any of that stuff, the noise. It's, it's always, you can always hear it. And, uh, you know, Phil's there and the cameras are on and there's tons of fans out there. And there was not one Adam Long fan in the crowd other than my wife and my dad was there. but. Um, beyond that, it was a bunch of Phil and Hadwin Canada stuff, and um, it, it was a lot for sure. Uh, it's, a, it's a stressful environment, but uh, like you said, you can't play defense. Phil couldn't. Nice cup you have there, by the way. Uh, Phil yeah, couldn't play defense. Stuff. I just got the coffee for wellness, Phil. <laughs> it's great, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure it is. Shameless I'm sure it is. Great. He's a great salesman. Um, but oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> you can't play defense in golf. I mean, Phil couldn't stop me. I couldn't stop him, and. We, kept, we all made a bunch of birdies, and um, I was the last man standing. But uh, that's the beauty of golf, that um, it didn't matter his resume against mine. Obviously, no comparison, but it was only 18 holes of golf, and somebody, somebody's going to win it. Well, the beautiful lesson to me here is you, you have two scenarios of standing on the tee with Phil Mickelson. You can use that to put more pressure on yourself because you're going against a Hall of Famer, or you can see it as – you have no pressure because everyone expects him to win. So go out there and have fun and play as the underdog and play within yourself, right? Yeah, I really downplayed the situation, I guess, is a lot what I did. I kind of made it seem like it didn't care. It wasn't a, wasn't a huge deal other than, you know, it's a cool experience I was telling myself. But it was yeah. also like, it doesn't matter what I shoot here. Um, it was a little, I honestly wanted to finish top 10 to get in the next week at, at Farmers. I wasn't even in the field the following week, so I needed to top 10. Um, <laughs> 
but for the most part, I, uh, yeah, I was just wanted to enjoy it and wasn't getting too caught up in the moment. Well, it's, it's that old answer like, hey, the rest is gravy, right? You know, I'm here, I'm playing, because you, you, you talked about it, you have to think about your schedule, right? When am I going to play next? And that's a nice feeling when you know, hey, I'm setting things up because of what I've already done. And maybe that freaked you up a little bit, right? Yeah, totally. I, I downplayed it. I thought, you know, I assumed one of those two guys was going to win because that's what they do. Um, yep. I, I didn't, uh, didn't, nobody expected me to win. I thought maybe I shouldn't expect to win either and just say whatever and let them kind of hash it out for the win. I don't care. I just want to have a great day out here and make a lot of birdies and enjoy yeah. the, enjoy the atmosphere. And um, I think, I think that's something I, I, I've tried to kind of replicate since then. And it's really hard. I mean, I was leading the tournament a couple of weeks ago in, in Dominican yeah. and uh I wasn't able to do it as well. Uh, I, I honestly, my game wasn't quite where I wanted it to be uh, anyway. It was just frustrating not to play better on Sunday, but it was honestly one of those days that we got done. And my caddy and I were just like, it's just golf, man. It was one of those days that just, it wasn't there. I, I can't blame it on my mental game. It's more of a physical thing. Yeah. I think that, you know, it was just one of those days and that's golf. But, um, you know, I try to kind of replicate that, that those emotions and those feelings I had all the time. Real quick, before we talk about the shot on 18, you had four starts, right? And you missed three or four first cuts. And so is it the type of thing, I mean, we've had many tour pros on the show. You even spoke to it a second ago, which was a cut versus a 45th is very similar, right? Even a 30th, you know, based on what you can do, it, it's not a huge difference. So your three cuts before, was it – you're still feeling pretty good, but you're just missing a couple putts here and there and you missed the cut? Or was there something that changed or something you found um, until you got to the Desert Classic? Yeah, my first start was, was nice, a safe way. I, I, I don't know, shot like five under the first day, and, uh, made the cut pretty easily, didn't have a great weekend, but I still felt like I played well. Yeah. And then uh, Sanderson Farms, the next start I had, played terrible, wasn't even close. Golf game was awful. Uh, and then take a few weeks off and then I got another start at RSM, um, also played terrible. Uh, it was windy and my, I couldn't, couldn't keep my ball down and it was just very, it was bad. And, and then, you know, I had a whole five weeks off, I guess, before I went to Hawaii, um, felt like I, I kind of settled down a bit and, and got, took care of some business, worked with Josh quite a bit and, uh, got my game in a better, my swing in a better spot. And, uh, actually wasn't even in Sony in Hawaii and was playing the Monday qualifier and they called me I only played like three holes my wife was caddying for me and they called me like three holes in that I had gotten in as, a, as an alternate so uh ended up getting in the field and, and actually played pretty well and missed the cut I think by one maybe two at the most and was like geez it's really re rejecting because I can't even I can't make a freaking cut and yeah. I'm getting further further down in my category I'm gonna get less and less starts and um went to the desert a little early and um worked with Josh some more but really started kind of clicking with my golf swing um yeah I, I don't know if you get too into the weeds but basically I get a little behind me and stuck a little bit so I was really getting the club out in front of me a lot better and um was able to kind of ride that out and hit the ball amazing just made so many birdies and uh you know just totally different week than the weeks prior but a, a little physical change right but yeah. something you were aware of right I think that's important right for people listening too know your tendencies, just keep working on those, right? Yeah, and that, that really started a whole trend with my coach and I. We really, that was a kind of a transitioning point where, where we realized, I really learned a lot about my golf swing too, of 
of why it's off, when it gets off, what I need to kind of work on and um, to kind of keep it from going too far one way or the other, because you can overdo it the other way where now I'm swinging my clubs way too down, too fast, too ahead of me or something. And, um, and then you got to work on getting your lower body more involved. So it's a, it's a balancing act and trying to keep it um, within the lines there. And I think that's having a coach there all the time helps with that as well. Okay. So the playoff, I rewatched this last night and <laughs> you're on this crazy mound. Okay. Ball below your feet, water left. Luckily ball below your feet is not promote a left miss. But you, it kind of speaks to what you talked about earlier, where you weren't focused on the water. You said, I'm going to play off with Phil and Adam Hadwin. I need to make a shot. And your right leg flung through. You stayed down. And you put it, I don't know, what, like 10 feet, 8 feet below the hole and sunk the putt to win your first tournament. I mean, talk about, I want to know what's going through your mind when you've got this crazy mound, was it in the middle? It was in the middle of the fairway, right? Uh, it's just off to the right okay. um, where there's like just some man-made like moguls over there. Yeah. And, but typically like, cause it's all um, dormant. Like it, it just kind of flies down to the bottom to the flat. And I got, I got up there and I, uh, and I'm like, why, how is this ball on this downslope like that? Like, I hit driver. Like I should have kind of right. cruised down yeah. the hill into the flat, but it wasn't at all in the flat. And uh, I remember kind of getting the number with my caddy and, we're taking a little while there trying to decide six iron, seven iron. So I'm going to have to kind of grip down on it. And um, it's a really awkward stance. I could try to hit a, like a hard cut off this lie or, and then I remember switching to a seven pretty quickly. And then from that point on, just being like, all right, do not overthink this shot. Like right. you've been playing great this whole time. We're not going to sit here and take four minutes now because it's the 18th hole. And, you know, we're, you know, all tied up here. Like I'm just going to grab the seven iron and I, I know how to play golf. I'm going to hit the shot. You know, I'm going to aim a good 10 feet right of the flag, try to give myself, you know, a decent putt at it. These guys are both a little further than me and both in the fairway. One of them is going to stop it. At least one of them is going to make birdie. I want to just give myself at least a decent look at it, a good chance. I wasn't trying to bail by any means. I'm not trying to make par. I just wanted to have a decent look at it. And uh, I don't know. I just wanted to be an athlete about it, really. And so I just took a rip at the seven iron, pulled it perfectly right at the flag. <laughs> came out a little left and it just went right it's going right at the flag i was like it's got to be pretty damn good and ended up being i think it was 13 feet just short and phil i don't know what happened there he hit, hit it like 40 maybe even 50 feet short of the hole and had one flew the green into a bunker and I, like all of a sudden i was like holy crap that's not what i expected and uh had one hit first almost hold his bunker shot hit it to like a foot and then uh phil had a long putt for for birdie that actually looked really good for a while yeah. um and just missed and so the stage was set and uh same thing though where i was like i'm not gonna i knew i knew as soon as phil's missed like okay this is it this is my stage um yeah. this is a 12 13 footer to win a golf tournament i get it but from then on i was like all right we're just gonna this is thursday and mm. this putt is the same as the thing i've been doing any other day this week i've made a million birdies um just trust your stroke trust your read and and able to nail it but definitely uh, a bit of a blackout uh, after that <laughs> I think it's it's cool to walk through, like you hit a great drive, you kind of get a bad break, but it's like, I I know how to do this shot, right? I know how to play golf, like have fun, be a kid, right? Like you just said, be, you said be an athlete, but it's the same thing, right? Like, just, yeah. hey, right? That's Yeah, it, you don't get the chance to react in golf very much. Um, can, uh, can these yeah. other contacts, sports maybe where the ball's moving and 
and you're trying to just react to the situation and, and golf, you have so much time to think about it. And um, so situations like that, especially the more I can kind of free up and just kind of react to the shot and just, like I said, be an athlete or a kid about it. Usually more often than not, you're, the results can be pretty good. 100%. And the guy pulls it off a huge downhill lie. I don't know how you do that. <laughs> you know, it's funny. My coach actually always kind of thinks that pro golfers with the ball above their feet tend to block it right. Mm. Um, and the opposite with the ball below their feet, they tend to pull it a lot. I think because we are so trained that it's supposed to go right off the downhill right. lie that I think we're, we're, I guess, just naturally so good at it that we actually counter it so much with the face angle most likely. But um, that we actually end up doing the opposite of what is traditionally supposed to happen. So interesting. Um, but who knows, I don't know if that's then, backed by science. But that goes in. It's a blackout from there, right? I mean, what? Well, well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, the whirlwind from there. Um, the my, look on uh, your face was priceless. Out. Yeah, I was like, holy shit, for sure. Couldn't believe it. Um, I couldn't believe it was over. I think I, I couldn't believe yeah. that we weren't going to another hole. Like that doesn't make sense. Like we just played eighteen holes. Like how are we already on 18 like it seems like yeah. we should be going to number 19 or 20 you know it should be, right. keep going for some reason but it was just so sudden and it was just over um but yeah my my wife came running on the on the green and uh my dad was there and it was just a, a bit of a blur but pretty pretty incredible what was the first thing that went through your mind when you won um i think the i think like i did it I think like I can't believe I just won on the PJ. I, I want I Adam Long just won on the PJ Tour. Like what is that? Like are you kidding me? Like uh, I don't. I think that was what was going through my mind over and over. Like I couldn't believe that. Like what what does this mean? Like what just happened? Okay, so cool. this is the question that I was looking most forward to asking this entire almost hour now. How quickly does the million hit your bank account? Is it Monday morning? I think. And before you answer that. What was the first thing that went through your mind when you saw it in your account? And did you get yourself anything? Yeah, those direct deposits are nice. They, uh, it comes in from the tour usually sometime on Tuesday. Oh, Tuesday. Um, oh, they couldn't yeah, get a stressful Monday? Monday. They don't come Monday. They always come uh, sometime on Tuesday, sometimes early, sometimes late, but usually on Tuesday at some point. But yeah, um, yeah, it was, it's crazy to see, honestly, you know, a million dollars go into your bank account. That's for sure. Uh, it's crazy. But, you know, there's plenty of expenses, plenty of people to pay off, plenty, plenty yeah. of people that I owed and everything. So it wasn't uh, too crazy. But, um, you know, it's, it's incredible. I think that's a, that's, that's a lot of money to, to just all of a sudden get thrown at. But, um, no, we didn't, we didn't buy anything, honestly, for a long time. Um, we had some, my, my, some student loans to pay off we wanted to pay off. And we finally... Um, got my wife a, a nice car. Hers was struggling. Our both mm. both of our cars are old at the time, but she got the the nod early. So uh, we got a, a nice BMW uh, in the fall of that that last year. But um, we definitely didn't uh, didn't spend any money right away. We're we're not like that. Like I said, I'm pretty conservative. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, this I mean this has been such a fun conversation, and like I think some great great takeaways. Some of the things you said were like if if even if the round's not going that great, I just play my game. I know who I am. I'm a great player. I'm an individual, like, and I drive on that, right? And I think that's that's great to hear somebody, one of the best players in the world, like you, talk about that. And it's hard, though. It's hard. It's easy to press out there. It's easy to see what other guys are doing, but just double down on what got me here, right? Yeah, you got to trust in your own game. Believe in yourself is huge. Believe that you're your skills are plenty good enough and it may not look like this guy's or that guy's or, or whatever, but the score is all that matters. 
Um, yeah. It doesn't matter how many trophies you have versus that guy, or I don't know. You can get wrapped up in all that stuff, sure. But uh, if you go out every day and you're just like, today's going to be a great day. I might play great today. I want to play awesome today. Um, regardless of what yesterday was like or the warm up was like, uh, um, yeah. I think that's what pro golfers do the best is they're, they're, they don't feel like great. We don't, I don't feel great all the time warming up. I know things are a little bit off. I don't ever feel like amazing. And you just got to get it out there and somehow you shoot four or five under. You just figure it out. You just keep plugging away. Um, mm. You may not, you may, may not birdie the first hole like everybody else's because it's an easy hole, but <laughs> you're going to birdie, you're going to birdie something else out there that maybe you weren't supposed to birdie. I don't know. It's, it doesn't matter. You just keep plugging away. You keep figuring it out. You keep hitting, trying to hit the fairway, trying to get it up there on the green, trying to make the putt. And, and if not, you just try again on the next hole. I think you just keep, keep plugging away at it and, uh, and not getting too caught up in, in how it feels because it doesn't feel that good all the time. And, and most of the time it doesn't feel great. And you're just trying right. to compete and get it in the hole. Great. Yeah. One thing Rory said at the masters was he's working on not, he is not his score. Right. Um, and not identifying with that because as you said, even as you know, PJ tour winner, it feels terrible one day, feels better on the back. It feels good the next. Like, it's – I struggle with it. I just – you know, it, it, it is so frustrating when you're playing great for a month and then it feels like it goes away. And it's hard to not want to try and reinvent your swing, right, and, and yeah. try and do it. So I just wanted to – final question for you. One thing you think every amateur should do to improve their game. I mean, you played in a lot of pro-ams, right? Um, you've, you've played with a lot of amateurs over the years. What is something pros do that the amateurs can, can learn from? I think one is uh, underreact to their, to their misses and bad shots. I think the more you can downplay the, the, the misses, I think you see it. So many amateurs, we see it in pro-ams a lot. I think they're nervous playing with us, um, which is fine. Naturally, I'd be nervous playing baseball with the Cardinals. I mean, I, I get it. Um, but the, you just see them react so much when they miss a putt or a shot and just, oh, or just, oh, you know, they just have these big reactions that are just like, it's all right. It's okay. Like we're constantly spending hours with these guys on, on these programs telling them it's okay. It's fine. That, I know you, I know you hit it like crap. I know you did. I, I know you, that wasn't a good shot. It doesn't matter. It's fine. Go hit the next one. Great. Like it's still, it's okay. It's forward and findable. It's okay. Um, I think people react way too much to their uh to the bad bad shots um mm. which never is helpful um i think accepting that those bad shots is is huge but uh I, I, yeah that's my number one that's great awesome well guys follow adam at adamlong.10 on instagram anywhere else you want to send people where they can follow you i mean i'm at a long shot on twitter but uh other than that just uh hopefully you'll see me on tv on sundays that's that's the main goal absolutely sweet Thanks so this much, Adam. Really this was great. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Take guys. Take care, man. Yeah. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks. Bye.